You know, when I was a, a teenager in high school, I mean, sort of just after high school, uh, I played cricket. Now, I know that that's not a sport that really means a lot to many in this room, but be that as it may, I played cricket for one of our school teams. Really enjoyed the game, and because I played it, I naturally followed uh, you know, the national cricket team, the South African cricket team. And the South African cricket team were, are a good cricket team. You know, we won many of our games, and it was always fun being able to go to the game and watch them play and just sort of be a part of the excitement and everything. And for many, many years, the South African cricket team was captained by a guy with the name of Hansi Cronier. Now, I know that name probably means nothing to anybody in this room except maybe for, for Drew because he understands cricket, but the rest of us, Hansi Cronier was the captain of the South African cricket team. He was a great man. He, he was one of those kind of people who was just winsome. He could engage with anyone and everyone. He was a gentleman. Uh, you know, the only people who didn't like Hansi Cronier were jealous people or the Australian cricket team. He was, he was a good man. And of course, it was really awesome that Hansi was also a strong, avowed Christian. Hansi would speak at schools, Hansi would speak at all sorts of events, all sorts of places, and he would not be afraid to bring his faith into the conversation. Uh, he would share openly about his faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, and so everyone just loved Hansi. So of course it came as a little bit of a national shock when a couple of years later we discovered that Hansi had been involved in a whole bunch of illegal sports betting. Uh, it turns out, while he was captain of the cricket team, uh, he had kind of befriended a group of bookies who made money off the gambling and the betting, uh, and Hansi would give them information about their game. You know, he would give the batting order, he would give what decisions he was going to make. It turns out, even every now and then, he would literally give away his wickets or something like that. Uh, and for that information, he got paid. Now, as you can well believe and well imagine, most people don't take too kindly to that. Uh, when we discover, when you discover that one of your heroes uh, behind the scenes has been doing something that definitely ought not to be done. And I remember very vividly, I still have the image in my mind of Hansi Cronier sitting in a, in a tribunal, which is kind of like a court of law, and, and they're engaging with him and questioning him in, and, and all this truth has come out, and, and Hansi is sitting in the dark, wearing his dark blazer, and tears are streaming down his face, and in the middle of all of this, Hansi simply made the comment, the devil made me do it. In fact, that was the headline in the newspaper the next day. The devil made me do it. And of course, that begs the question, can the devil really make me do something? That's what we want to look at this morning. If you're visiting with us in person today or perhaps visiting online uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a series simply called Let's Talk. And it's this invitation from God to enter into conversation. 
to bring our concerns, to bring those things that weigh on our hearts, to whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, to be able to come to God, to cry out, Abba, Father, to the God who listens to us, who hears us, who engages with us. And then to be able to, to bring all of those things. And we've kind of looked at all different parts of what it means to talk to God and how we talk to God. We've been looking at the prayers of Jesus specifically and learning from the way that Jesus spoke with his heavenly father. And so today I, I kind of want to pick up on that and feel about how do we talk to God when we find ourselves in that place where we might be inclined to say the devil is making me do it. Of course, the topic we're looking at is simply called deliverance. How do we pray for deliverance? How do we pray when we are facing this trial, when we're facing this temptation, when, when it feels like the devil is coming at us and he wants us to do something that we know ought not to be done? How do we talk to God. Uh, it's ascribed to Benjamin Franklin. Apparently, Benjamin Franklin said, In this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. But I think Benjamin was wrong because temptation is also certain. Maybe that's why Oscar Wilde once said, I can resist everything but temptation. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to turn to that most well-known of prayers that Jesus prayed. We call it the Lord's Prayer. We're not going to go through the whole thing. I'm just going to look at the last part, but we will read the whole Lord's Prayer. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we will read from verse 9. Of course, it will be up on the screen behind me as well. This is Jesus speaking, Jesus teaching his disciples. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Later on in the book of Matthew, towards the end of Jesus' ministry on earth, as Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane just before his arrest and crucifixion, uh, he goes and prays and he comes back and he finds his disciples asleep. And in verse 41 of Matthew chapter 26, Jesus says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So why does Jesus include this line in that model prayer? I firmly believe Jesus didn't just include it as this little afterthought. No, Jesus understood better than anyone, perhaps, that in this life we will face temptation. There is a spiritual battle raging around us. We have an enemy who seeks to destroy us. And so Jesus teaches his disciples, and therefore he teaches us when we pray to include this line. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, as we read through Scripture, as we pray, as we journey in this thing called faith, we often acknowledge the truth that God has a plan for our lives. And I maintain that. I hold to that. God has a plan for each and every one of us. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. Your life is not worth nothing. Uh, your life is not meant to be pointless. There is a plan and a purpose. And it is God-given. But as much as I say that, I have to affirm that the devil also has a plan for your life. In fact, Jesus mentions this in John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to, kill, to th steal, kill, and destroy. It is Satan's plan. It is Satan's goal for our life to steal our joy, to, to steal our zeal for the Lord. It is Satan's plan to kill our commitment to God and our commitment to the gospel. It is his goal to destroy our witness and our willingness to serve God and to serve others. And this is why Jesus says when we talk to God about those trials, those temptations, those moments where we find ourselves in weakness, Jesus says, talk to God about that. Ask God about that. Now, before I go too much further, I do need to be clear about two things. The first thing is that God himself does not tempt us. We might infer that from that line. We might kind of go, well, if Jesus is saying, uh, God, lead me not, is he saying that, Jesus that God leads us into temptation? Not at all. In fact, Jesus' brother James mentions this in James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, he says, Let no one say when they are tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So God does not tempt us. And secondly, I do not for a moment believe, as I read through Scripture, that a Christian can be possessed by a demon or by Satan. If you are in Christ and Christ in you, you are owned by God. The scripture explains to us we are in his hand and nothing can take us out of that. We already are a possession of someone and that is our heavenly father. So I do not for a moment believe that a demon or Satan can possess us. But I do believe that we can be oppressed and that Satan and the spiritual forces of evil do seek to destroy us. And they will come over us and offer us all sorts of temptations and try to derail us. And this is why Jesus says to pray this. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. When we pray this, we're asking the Lord, guard us. Keep us from the dangers of temptation. We're asking him to keep us from the deception of our enemy. And simply put, we're asking our Father in heaven for deliverance. You know, the, the Greek word for deliverance or to deliver simply means to rescue us, uh, to preserve us, to draw us out of danger. And that's what we're asking God to do. When we just read from Matthew chapter 6 a moment ago, we read the line, deliver us from the evil one. The Greek, however, literally says, deliver us from the evil. And so really, we could pray either way, deliver us from evil 
or deliver us from the evil one. And the Lord's Prayer is one of our battles in the spiritual realm. And this is why Jesus teaches us to pray this way. You know, it's almost like a like boot camp. You know, if you, if you join the army, if you join any sort of military environment, uh, the first few weeks and months is, is hard training. It's boot camp. They're driving into you the basics of what you will need out on the field. And this is what Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. They're basics. They're foundational truths of our Christian life. First, we learn who God is when we pray, Our Father who is in heaven. Then we learn to worship Him when we pray, hallowed be your name. And then we learn to obey His principles when we pray, your kingdom come. And then we learn to submit to His orders when we pray, your will be done. And of course, then in the second half, we pray for the resources we need as we go through the battles of life. We begin with, give us this day. And then we lead into the final three petitions that bring us into conflict with our enemy. First up, we receive forgiveness of sins for those times when we have given in to temptation. We pray, lead us not into temptation, asking for victory instead of defeat. And then deliver us from evil. That brings us the protection we need when he attacks When we pray this prayer, we need to remember God is in the deliverance business. Our God seeks to deliver us from evil. Listen to these verses. 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Psalm 40 verse 17. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Psalm 144 verse 2. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge. God is our deliverer. And God invites us, Jesus teaches us, that when we face trials and temptations, this is what we pray. Deliver us from evil. So how does God deliver us? How does God actually rescue us in that moment of temptation, that moment of trial, when we we feel weak and we think we're about to give in and we cry out, God, lead me not into this temptation. Deliver me from this evil. How does God deliver us? I think there are three ways that God delivers us. The first way He delivers us, He delivers us from trials. You know, that word temptation that we read in the Lord's Prayer, it's the same word, the same Greek word in James chapter 1, verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And that Greek word that we speak about temptation also can mean trials. And so we pray, God, lead me not into this temptation or lead me not into this trial. Help me overcome whatever I face. 
And so we know already that God doesn't tempt us. God doesn't tempt us to sin in any way. But God allows trials, God allows temptations to come into our lives in order that He might deliver us from these things. And we need to recognize our weaknesses. We need to recognize that we ourselves need to avoid these places but also aware that we cannot always avoid them because we will face temptation. We will face trials. And our God wants to free us from those trials. And perhaps this is why the writer of the Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. And the problem is we face trials or we face temptations and we think we can get out of this on our own strength. We don't need help from anyone, let alone from God. And God says, no, <laughs> you're going to need my help. I will deliver you from that trial. I will walk with you. And so regardless of what the trial might be that we face, and, and I know that in a room like this this morning, and for those online, there are multiple trials being faced. Perhaps you're facing a, a financial trial, and you're being tested to the limit financially. And you're kind of starting to play with the idea of, well, maybe if I just embezzle a little bit of funds, maybe if I, if I kind of cheat over here, Maybe if I don't give to where I'm supposed to be giving, and we try and rescue ourselves. Your trial might be a, a marital trial or a relational trial. And you're sort of thinking to yourself, well, may, maybe if I do this, you know, maybe this, this friend at work, this colleague of the other sex, maybe, maybe this person could help me overcome and, and do what I need or want. The temptation might be to get involved in a sinful relationship. Maybe your trial is an emotional trial. Maybe a trial of, of a time of depression. And instead of turning to the Lord, we start to be tempted by self-medicating, by trying to do what we think we could do. And this is why God calls us. This is why Jesus teaches us and instructs us. When we're in that place of trial, don't give in. Don't allow Satan to destroy you in that moment. Cry out. Because our God is in the business of delivering us from our trials. But not only does God deliver us from our trials, indeed, He delivers us from temptation. I heard it said, Opportunity only knocks once, but temptation knocks the door down. Which is probably true. How are you tempted? I would say all of us face minor temptations. Every day, multiple times a day. You know, maybe, you know, I've shared this before, I love food. Uh, you know, and whenever one of my family members either makes some cookies, you know, chocolate chip cookies or Smarties cookies or, or blueberry little, like, cookie tart type things, I can't just have one. One is, is kind of deciding, do I really want to eat these? And invariably after the one, I'm like, yeah, I want some of these, so I'll take a good number of them. I, I'm tempted by food. Maybe you're tempted to uh, stay in bed a little longer. 
Maybe you're tempted to lie about how big the fish really was. Of course, that's a euphemism for anything, really. Of course, those, those are minor temptations. We face them every day. We're tempted when we're driving. We're tempted in the stores. We're tempted at home. And the thing is, when we give in to those temptations, chances are no one's going to get hurt. No one's really going to be affected when I lie or give that little white lie. But the problem is, as we give in to those little temptations... We discover that it's easy. We discover that we can get away with it. Or we discover that people seem to like us more. Or, or, or we get the affection and the affirmation we want. And so as we give in to those minor temptations, it becomes easier to give in to more serious temptations. Temptations to, to harm someone, whether physically, financially, emotionally. Temptations to have an affair or to, to seek love in the wrong place. Temptation to get involved in some sort of criminal behavior or activity. Whether minor or major, temptation is a part of the Christian life. But that's not to put us in a state of doom or a state of depression or a state of woe is me, who will help me? Because Jesus tells us our Father will help us. And Paul explains this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I like how the New Living Translation puts this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Listen to what that verse tells us. That verse tells us that we will face temptations. That's a given. And everyone experiences them. When you face whatever temptation it is, don't allow Satan to make you feel like you're the only one that experiences that. If he can isolate us and draw us away and make us think, well, we're the only one that struggles with this, then we're unlikely to share it. But Paul tells us everyone faces temptation. In fact, what you're going through, millions of other people have gone through as well. But the second thing this verse tells us is God is faithful to make sure we never be tempted beyond what we can handle. Because God delivers us by providing a way out. But God will never force you out of that. God gives you a way out. But God then allows you to make that choice. And so God might bring to your mind the conviction that you know this to be wrong. God might bring to your mind a, a memory verse, a scripture verse that speaks to this. God might stir the circumstances so that either you get a text or a phone call from a friend or, or something changes. God always gives us a way out. You and I never have to give in to temptation. There's no such thing as the devil made me do it. So if ever you've been tempted to utter those words, the devil did not make you do it. You have chosen to do that because you chose to continue down that path even when God gave you a way out. I'm reminded of a a small boy standing in a store, and you know how in the front of the store they've got all those shelves of candies, and they do that deliberately, by the way. 
just at the checkout because they know you're going to be tempted by these candies. And there's a little boy looking at the shelf of candies and he's just staring at them and staring at them and staring at them. And eventually the sort of store owner behind the counter kind of goes, are you planning on stealing one of those? To which, of course, the little boy goes, I'm trying not to. And that's a little bit of what we do. We stay in that place. And we try not to. We try not to. We try not to. God gives us a way out. God shows us the door. God opens the door. God delivers us from the temptation and invites us to trust Him as we walk away. So God delivers us from trials. God delivers us from temptation. And thirdly and lastly, God delivers us from trusting in ourselves. In that place of temptation, in that place of trial, we might be be inclined to start trusting in ourselves, thinking we can get ourselves out of this. Maybe this is why Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Trusting in ourselves, trusting in our own abilities is a resource for disaster. Sorry, it's a recipe for disaster. Our flesh is constantly screaming to be satisfied. Maybe that's why Jesus says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our mind is constantly being bombarded by all sorts of messages from the world telling us, oh, it's only a a small thing. It's not going to hurt anyone. You deserve to be happy. Go on, give in. It'll It'll be worth it. And people are constantly beckoning beckoning us to compromise, to do what they're doing, to live like they're living, to, to say, who needs to live according to Scripture? Don't you see how burdensome that is? We're facing all these temptations. And over and above all of that, our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a hungry lion, looking for someone to devour, looking for someone who's ready to give in to temptation. Satan is constantly tempting us. And he's constantly tempting us to trust in ourselves instead of God. Isn't that what Satan did in the Garden of Eden? When he comes to Adam and Eve, and he says, did God really say? And he sows doubts in our mind, and he tries to get us to think that maybe God isn't really good. You know, maybe God doesn't want me to do this because God's actually a cosmic killjoy and he's trying to get rid of my happiness and my fun. And so we start to doubt and we we start to believe that maybe we know better and we trust in ourselves. And when we trust in ourselves, we think we're smart enough. We think we're strong enough. We think we're good enough. But only God is able to deliver us from evil. And that's why Jesus teaches us to cry out, if needs be, God, deliver me from evil. How? Well, Jesus speaks about that. Scripture teaches us. Saturate ourselves in the Word of God. Surround ourselves with God's people. Submit to God's Spirit. And if you've never known Jesus Christ as Lord, you've never accepted Christ, then begin with that. Turn to Jesus, and God, our Father, will deliver us. How do I close off this morning? 
Temptation is for real. But you don't need me to say that because you've given in to temptation multiple times just this morning. But there is one who seeks to deliver us. There is one who wants to walk with us and to show us that we can overcome evil, that we can overcome temptation, and we can be delivered. That is God, our Abba, Father. And Jesus says to us, when we find ourselves in that place, don't run away on your own. Don't try and do your own thing. Cry out to God. Talk to Him. And simply say, Abba, Father, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, this morning we acknowledge that we are so easily led astray by the temptations that come our way. It starts with small little things that we think are inconsequential and immaterial, and we don't even give them a second thought. But as we give in, slowly our hearts are hardened and, and it becomes easier to, to give in to bigger trials and bigger temptations. But God, you long for us to walk in victory and to overcome our temptation. This is why, Jesus, you taught us to cry out, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. God, help us. Holy Spirit, help us. Today, this coming week, when we find ourselves in that place, perhaps in, in those patterns of sin that we've become accustomed to, open our eyes to the spiritual reality. Open our eyes to what's really happening and what's really going down so that we can see. And then God, as we struggle, as we fight, as we wrestle with temptations and trials, we ask that you would indeed be our deliverer and deliver us from evil in order that we might praise your name. We pray this in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.